Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good Sunday morning to you, and happy 4th of July, if we didn't get to say that yesterday, and how many of you are thankful for our freedoms, amen? Amen. Amen. I am uh, living in two worlds at the moment, Uh, hopefully you are too, we live in the kingdom of our Father, that's our first uh, kingdom that we live in, and then we have the privilege of living in this, uh, our culture kingdom, but uh, I I just feel compelled to say this this morning, I don't know where, where you land, but let me just say it clear and plain. I'm Christian before I'm American. I'm concerned that some of us are more American than we are Christian. That's a whole different message than what I'm going to preach this morning. It's a fine line that we have to walk and we're trying to navigate it, but I encourage you to remember that we belong to the King. Amen. And so we've got to figure out what that means and how to represent him the best we possibly can. I, I, uh, I appreciate you giving us a little time off last week. We went and celebrated uh, and uh, had a, a wedding. And so for the first time ever attending Passion Church as Mr. and Mrs. Tao Ely, our, our son and daughter-in-law. And so we're glad they're here. And uh, we had a good time with them. And then we went to the metropolitan area of Gore, Oklahoma to celebrate our 29th anniversary. There's nothing to do in Gore, by the way. Even on a good, even when everything's right, there's nothing good to do in more uh, in Gore. Uh, so uh, we, I'll, I'll tell on this. I wasn't even going to tell this, but so uh, Monday was our 29th year of marriage, and so we decided that we would go out and eat at a fancy restaurant in Gore and discovered there is no such thing and that nothing was open on Mondays in Gore. And so we went to some buffet that was horrendous. And then, uh, then since uh, there, there were so many options, I'm, we're driving, what are we going to do? And I noticed over on the side, it's the only thing going on in the entire town, uh, Gore High School Baseball was playing Salisaw High School Baseball in Red Dirt. So this shows how much Julie loves me after 29 years. We went and watched high school baseball on our 29th wedding anniversary. So we're kind of crazy like that. And so, um, but I do appreciate it. I did not tune in last week um, on purpose, and I'll tell you why. But I have had reports uh, that, uh, those that from those that watched online and those that were here that uh, Max did an outstanding job. And so I'm just thankful that we have as many people uh, in our body that are so well-versed in Scripture that they can bring the Word and do such a great job. I intentionally did not tune in because uh, several months ago, n- not even knowing that we were going to be in this season that we're in now, I felt like the Lord gave me a two-series uh, group of messages, and he, uh, Max was able to wind that up last week. I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to cover some of the same ground. That's why I didn't listen, because I wanted to be able to develop this message uh, from a place of um, revelation rather than just hearing what he had to say and repeating it. So if I cover some ground that maybe he did, then you'll understand why. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would uh, take this moment, these few moments that we have together in your word. Uh, hopefully we're in your word all week, but but this few moments that we have together in your word. I pray that you would take our blinders off and that you would do more than just deliver us, that you would deliver us uh, to what you have for us. And so I just pray that uh, we would apply your word corporately and individually, that we would not just think that this is a word for the person sitting next to us, although it may be. 
I pray that instead what we would do is we would lean in and we would listen as if you were speaking directly to me, to me, so that I can apply your word faithfully to my life. Whether that takes place in a living room by watching online or in this, this sanctuary together in this moment, I pray that your voice would break through all the other voices and you would speak distinctly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before I get in, let me just, some of y'all know, I've found a new show I like. I've been watching it called Songland, so I stole it. This is Promised Land. All right, so just so that doesn't have any bearing on what we're going to talk about. I just want you to know that just because I'm a big fan of Songland. It's a great show. Anyway, the man who uh, thought he was God in the flesh has now been defeated. Pharaoh and his armies have given chase to the children of Israel who they had enslaved uh, and finally, after the 10th plague, he finally relents and he lets them go. But as he's done in all the other, after all the other plagues, he changes his mind. They give chase, and now Pharaoh and his armies are swallowed up in the receding waters of the Red Sea. And finally, after uh, 430 years of harsh slavery, the children of Israel uh, find themselves after having been captive in Egypt dramatically and miraculously, God has intervened and they find themselves free. So we've been dealing over the last four weeks, we dealt with the cry for freedom, the desperation necessary, the dilemmas that you face when you cry out for, for deliverance. We've dealt with all that and suddenly God has intervened and brought that season to a close. And my question is, now what? Now what? See, uh, uh, these folks that have been slaves are now free, but what do they do now? And the fact is, is that God tells them the now what before he ever sets them free. I want you to meet me in Exodus chapter 3. I've read it to you over the last few weeks at different times. I want to read it again. And you would say, well, Steve, this is the part about deliverance. It is, but I want you to listen carefully because God not only deals with deliverance, he also deals with the now what. Listen carefully. Exodus chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, I mean the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the ites. And so uh, he, 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 he speaks and he deals with their need for deliverance. But I want you to notice that when God speaks in the middle of your bondage, he will often most likely also not only speak to the desperate situation that you find yourself in, he will also uh, address your future. That's what takes place here. I want you to notice, though, that the Israelites miss it because of the severity of their bondage. I think all they hear is the word freedom, and they forget to listen uh, to, to, to the statement that's been made that God makes to them about the promise after their freedom. All they hear is, I'm going to set him, set you free. They don't deal with, they don't listen to the process that's going to be necessary for them to obtain the promise that he has for them. I want you to notice that, that uh, God not only talks to them about freedom, he makes this promise. He addressed their destination. 
he addresses the process for possession. They ignored the, 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 the destiny because all they heard was deliverance. I think that there is a problem here because uh, most of us, if we're not careful, when we begin to cry out in desperation, God gives us a word about our current situation, but at the same time, He also speaks to our destiny, and oftentimes we miss it because all we care about is deliverance. And that's why we're going into what we're going into today, because I want you to hear me. The problem is, is that what He delivers us from is not nearly as important as what he delivers us to and for. And, and, and here's why. Because God is revealing to them that unless we move from bondage to blessed, then freedom is wasted. Deliverance must lead to freedom to and freedom for. Because if we just simply cry out, in desperation for deliverance, and then God sets us free, but we don't know what He set us free for, then we squander the freedom that He's given us. Now what? Now what? I came to the altar and I prayed. Now what? I came to the altar and cried out for God to set me free from the addictions of my life. Now He's done it. Now what? I prayed, God set me free from the bondage of financial ruin. He's done it. Now what? If we don't know the now what, then we never know how to move into promised land where he wants us to live. Some of, some of you have been, I, I know your stories, and you've been, you've been delivered from a lot. But my question to you this morning is, what have you been delivered for? What have you been delivered to? Unless you learn how to conquer and take possession and live in the promised land that God has for you, then you will literally waste the freedom for which God has set you free. So, so, so this lack of understanding results in the part of the story that we're most familiar with. It's the part where uh, at least a million children of Israel, uh, men and women and boys and girls, drag their feet through the dust of a desert for 40 years wearing sandals that would never wear out. We call that the wilderness. We call that circling. We call that wandering an 11 day journey it should have only taken them 11 days to get from Egypt to Canaan instead it's 40 years God spends 40 years not trying to get them out of Egypt he try it takes him 40 years to get Egypt out of them and they circle and they wander and they 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 go, they go through the motions and here 14,600 days later they finally get into the promised land. And herein lies the first lesson about promises that I want to teach you that th th this morning. Because I want to do more than just tell you that you need to be delivered. I want you to get to all that God has for you. And for you to do that, you've got to learn the lessons about living in promised land. The first thing you need to learn is what we learn out of this account. And that is this, is that promises are prepared for us. But sometimes we're not prepared for the promise. See, God knew, in fact, you can go read in Scripture, God understood that if they left Egypt and it only took 11 days for them to get to the promised land, as soon as they arrived, they would see the giants that he told them already was going to be there and they would turn around and go back into bondage. They weren't prepared for freedom. They weren't prepared for the promise. And this is what we've got to understand. The wilderness prepares us for the promise. 
That's what the wilderness is all about. And I wonder how many of us have, have been delivered only to find ourselves circling. Some of you were delivered 20 years ago, and yet you continue to circle and circle and wonder and wonder and march and march simply because you have not allowed yourself to be prepared to receive the promise. I wonder how many of you, maybe uh, uh, two years ago, you knew what God said for your life, but today you find yourself circling the same spiritual scenery, going through the same lessons, having to learn the same lessons over and over again, simply because we're not prepared for the promise. I've said this for 13 years. Listen, if you fail the lessons in kindergarten, you don't go to first grade. You go back to kindergarten. A lot of us, that's what happens. We get delivered, and we, God's trying to teach us lessons in these moments that are usually dry. Have you figured that out? A lot of times when God wins a mighty battle in your life, you've, you've experienced victory, then you go into a dry season of your life. Have you figured that out? The reason he allows that to happen is he's trying to prepare you for the promise. And if you don't learn the lessons that he's trying to teach you, you just keep going through it until you learn the lessons and graduate. See, some of us, we've, been, we've received deliverance and we recognize in the moment of our deliverance that God has sent us to be a giant killer. The only dilemma we face is this. We've never practiced with the sling so that when the giant shows up, we're not prepared. You can't be a giant killer unless you're on the backside of the desert somewhere with a little sling learning how to fight a, a lion and a bear. And then suddenly when Goliath shows up, you're ready. Sometimes we are not prepared to receive the promise that God has for us. See, uh, later in this account, you can go read uh, that uh, th- there's a powerful lesson. You, you, you discover that they approach the promised land, and Moses, uh, he, he decides, rather than just taking God's word for it, which was a mistake in and of itself, he, but he, he bows to the will of the people, and they send spies out, 12 spies, to go visit the promised land to see if it's really all that God said it was cracked up to be. And they walk in, and they recognize it literally is everything God said it would be. And they come back and they give, uh, 10 give a negative report, two give a positive report, and they teach us this lesson, and that is this. The spies prove that you can receive, listen to this carefully, you can receive a promise, long for a promise, and fail to experience the promise if you haven't prepared for the promise. That was good. That's where most of us live right there. God sets us free, gives us a promise, and we never we, we long for it. We see glimpses of it, but we never really taste it or experience it simply because we refuse to prepare. Some of you have a promise that you've been circling for years, and you'll continue to circle until you do what is necessary to prepare to handle what he gives you. He won't give it to you until you prepare for it. Otherwise, if he gave it to you, you would waste it. Some of y'all have a promise of a great relationship, but you can't seem to find it. And I got news for you. You probably won't simply because he will not give you that relationship that's promised for you if you don't deal with your own pettiness and your own tone and your own anger so that you're prepared to handle the promise that he would send you. Otherwise, you'll run them off. Well, that went over huge. But, but, but it's true, he won't even give you the promotion that he's promised you until you first deal with the pride in your own life because if he, get, he was to give you the promotion now, you're not prepared for it and your pride will rise up and you'll take credit for it. 
He won't give you the dream of, that, that, that's deep down inside of you until you deal with your fill of failure or you'll never take the risks necessary to make the dream happen. He'll never give you the platform that you long for as long as you, you haven't taken the time to deal with the fact that deep down inside of you, you're a man pleaser and you will only say what they want to hear you say, then he will never give you the microphone until you deal with that area of your life and prepare to be able to handle the platform that is your promise. So some of you are in the wilderness and you're in dry times simply because God is waiting on you to prepare. I want to say this again so you get it. The wilderness prepares you for the promise. And there are a couple of things that I want you to understand. I, I, the, the wilderness prepares you for the promise, but I also want you to recognize that it is, it is the promise that sustains you in the wilderness. I don't have time, uh, I'll mention it here in a minute, but I, I do want you to recognize that the only thing that sustained the Israelites through the wilderness journey, 40 years of circling, was the fact that they had a promise. I'll come back to that. I don't, I don't want to mess. I'm getting the cart before. There, there are a couple things we need to know, and one thing that we need to do if we're going to live in promised land. I'm going to try to help you this morning, because I want you to move out of bondage to what God has for you. So here's the first thing you've got to know. You, you, you've got to know this. Now, I think most of you probably already know this. The fact is you wouldn't be out here in the dry times and in the wilderness if you didn't know this. The reason we're even out here is because we know this, and that is this. God is a promise maker. You, would, you wouldn't even follow him out of bondage. Into, into this wilderness journey of circling and trying to prepare and trying to figure life out if you didn't recognize that God is a promise maker. God is a promise maker. He makes promises. Y'all don't seem to be too excited about that. We could be serving a God that makes no promises. He could make no guarantees. He could give us no hope. You want to, you want to struggle in life? Go out in the wilderness with no promise. Be out here in the dry season and got nothing to look forward to. I'm thankful this morning that my God is a promise maker. Anybody? Can I get any help at all? I'm thankful that God is a promise maker. Either, either you're not happy about that or you've never heard yours yet. Then if you had not heard yours yet, then why don't you get somewhere private in prayer and let, or open up the Word and allow God to make a promise to you. I got some promises, no weapon. I got, some, I, I got some promises. I've never seen the righteous for sin. I've got some promises by his stripes. I got, I got some promises, the joy of the Lord. I got some promises in my life that I read. God is close to those that are broken hearted. I got some promises. I'm thankful that God is a promise maker. But the challenge is, is that because the, the, the promise led us out here into dry times, we forget the second part. We know he's a promise maker. That's why we're out here in the first place. But it's hot out here. It's dry out here. It's lonely out here in the wilderness. And we've forgotten the second part. And that is the most important part. That not only is God a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. See, too many of us have relationship with promise makers who aren't promise keepers. It could, be an, it could have been a parent, it could have been a friend, 
It might be a, a co-worker. It might be your boss. It might be the neighbor. You know, you've discovered that the word is worthless. Anybody want to testify just a moment? Want me to pass the mic around so you can call them by name? No. Um, but, but, but some of us have these relationships with these promise makers that never keep their promise. I, I was remembering uh, way back when I was a campus pastor at Southwestern. We had this evangelist come through in chapel, and when we ended service, we had terrible sound equipment, and uh, he, 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 he made promises. Man, when I get home, you guys need some help. I'm going to send you, and he just rattled off about $15,000 worth of sound equipment. And I was so excited until I discovered that he did that everywhere he went. He never followed through. He was a promise maker, but he wasn't a promise keeper. Here's the, here's the issue is that because of that, that those relationships that you have with people that are promise makers that aren't promise keepers, some of us, without even realizing we're doing that, doing this, what we do is we take that experience and we apply it to God. And so now all of a sudden, we hear all these promises to, that God has made us, and then we sometimes we think, you know what, He promised this, but I don't really expect Him to come through for me. I know he said it. I know he wrote, I, he had him write it down in the Word. I can see it listed out, but I'm not really sure that's for me. I, I, in fact, I'm not even sure he can actually do that. I'm not sure that he has the resources necessary to pull this off. I think maybe God's going to come up short. I think maybe, I, 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 I just, I'm expecting him to change his mind. That's what I'm expecting. I, I know he promised this, but, but that was for everybody else but me. And I need to remind you this morning that for the free men of Israel, Canaan was the fulfillment of the promise. When they saw Canaan, they recognized that God is not just a promise maker. God is a promise keeper. And can I tell you this morning that we may not geographically be positioned in Israel by longitude and latitude, but we can certainly be positioned there in attitude. And that is this, that when God makes us a promise, He's not only a promise maker, He is also a promise keeper. See, I can live in promise land because I recognize that according to Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? If he said it, I can bank on it. I can cash it. He Listen, he's never going to come up short. He's never not going to have enough. He's always got the resources necessary so I can bank on the Word of God when he makes a promise. See, the strength of our faith should be based on the credibility of the one who we, we put our faith in. Have you noticed that two people can say the same thing and you'll believe one and not the other? Have you noticed? Two people say the exact same thing to you, and you'll believe one, but not the other. The one who says it makes the difference. And because God said he promised, and listen, I just need to help you out this morning. God said that he promised some things to us, then I don't need a cross your heart, hope to die, pinky swear. Because I recognize that God lives up to his word. 
So, so, so even if there are detours and delays because of my own lack of preparation, my own lack of participation, my own lack of perspiration, if God said it, I can still bank on it because he's not a man that he should lie. In fact, the reason I can be so assured of the fact that God is a promise keeper is because I know Hebrews chapter 6. Because in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, listen to what the writer says. He says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He wants to make it clear to those that he made the promise to. He goes on, he says, that God confirmed with an oath. In other words, God's sitting up in heaven and goes, well, I swear to, oh, wait a minute. I swear to me. I swear to me. He makes an oath. He swears to himself. Y'all ain't getting it. He swears to himself. Then it says this, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is, here it is, impossible for God to lie. Y'all, what is wrong with y'all today? Y'all missing this. It is impossible for God to lie. That's what, I'm not saying that. He says that about himself. And then he says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Can I help you be greatly encouraged this morning? Yes. Can I? Can I? Can I really? Okay, let me greatly encourage you this morning. God can't lie. We say that nothing is impossible with God, but God says he he he, he swears by an oath. He makes it impossible. That's a different way of thinking. God himself binds his own limits. He constrains. He sets limits on his own power. I can do anything but this. I can't lie. See, I knew it. 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 You're not as greatly encouraged as you should be by the fact that God can't lie. So let me help you. You can fix your lack of unbelief, of belief. You can fix your lack of belief about what God can do if you would fix your belief about what God can't do. Y'all, that's good. I'm going to say that one more time because you need to write that joker down and you need to put it up in your car and on your refrigerator because God has told some of you some stuff that you just can't seem to believe because it seems too big, it seems too grand, it seems too much, it seems so far from where you are right now. But can I tell you this morning that you could fix your lack of belief about what he can do if you would stink and fix your belief about what he can't do because God cannot lie. He cannot go against his own word. If he said it's true, then it's true. In fact, we're told in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 that God is so committed to telling the truth that he spends all of his time, his days, his hours, his minutes, his seconds doing this. He says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. 
In other words, God's up in heaven, and when He says things, and when He makes promises, or when we come across a promise that's already been scribed, the scribe's already written it down in the Word of God, He's setting up there, and He's watching, keeping track of what He said. Then, He's up there making sure that what He said comes to pass. Because see, some of y'all have received promises from God, and then you think God went on vacation because it hadn't come to pass. And all I'm here to tell you is God didn't go on on vacation. He's literally sitting on his throne, pulling strings, working circumstances, working the back the back door back there where you don't even know what's happening. Backstage somewhere, he's 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 adjusting here and he's working. Now wait a minute, it's taken 40 years, but it's still a promise. It's taken longer than I wanted it to. You told me last week and I still don't see it. It's still a promise. He's a promise keeper. He's watching over his word so that it will be performed. Performed. And just because, just because, just because other people in your life have a hard time keeping their word does not mean God will have a hard time keeping his word. Just because your partner can't keep their word doesn't mean God can't keep his word. Just because the company couldn't keep their word doesn't mean that God won't keep his word. God is a promise keeper. And you may say, well, you don't understand. I, I had a promise. I, I, I tasted it. God came through and then I lost it. I squandered it. I mishandled it. I messed it up. But can I remind you this morning that God is still a promise keeper. I need you to go back and recognize and point out to you that Abraham, Abraham was the first one to receive the promise. Go read the account in Genesis. In Genesis, Abram receives this promise from God about Canaan. The Bible says that he went and settled in Canaan. You missed it. He got the promise. He experienced it. Then one of his descendants, during a famine, ends up in Egypt. Sound familiar? And all the Israelites follow this guy, Joseph, into Egypt because there's supplies there. They were only supposed to visit. They stayed too long. That's called bondage. Because then when you want to leave, you can't. Right? And now, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. God, why? Because God cannot lie. Even though they mishandled, squandered, blew it. They had the promise and lost it. Hundreds of years later, God comes back and says, wait a minute, I made, I made a promise. That ought to encourage you this morning because some of y'all have jacked up. You've messed up. You've squandered. You've mishandled. You tasted it and now you think it's gone. But can I remind you this morning that even when we're not as disciplined as we should be and even when we're not as diligent as we should be that God's faithfulness is secure because it's His Word. And I just need you to know this morning that not only is He a promise maker and He's a promise keeper, but there's one step that we must do if we're going to make it to promised land, and that is this. We must remember the promise. I I went back and looked. uh, uh, You know, some of this stuff may not interest you, but it interests me that uh, in Scripture, a land with milk and honey. That's how the promised land was described. And for those of us that have been there, does it live up 
Yes, it does. Right in the middle of a dry, barren, desert, deserted, nasty, dusty, make the dust bowl look like a joke. And all of a sudden, there's this oasis called Israel flowing with milk and honey. I went back and looked. From Exodus to Leviticus, over 20 times, God says to them, I am going to give you a land with milk that flows with milk and honey. Why? He's trying to keep it in the forefront of their mind. And I think this morning that when, what we've got to recognize is that, that we have to remember the promise that God has made us. For some of you, you're going to have to travel back in time. In your own mind, you're going to have to go back to a youth camp, around an altar. Some, some of you are going to have to go back to an encounter with God in college. Some of you are going to have to go back decades. But, but it is necessary that if we are going to find the promise that God has for us, we must go back and remember what He said. Well, I don't have anything to live for. Remember the promise. There's nothing in my life that causes me to want to get up. Remember the promise. My situation looks so bad right now. Remember the promise. I'm broke. I don't have two nickels to rub together. And God, remember the promise. My life hasn't turned out like I thought it would. Remember the promise. It's a different path than I would have chosen. Remember the promise. We must go back and remember the promise that God has made us or we will settle in the wilderness and we will be free and never experience what we were freed for. We must remember and recall what he said. What has he said about you? I, I, I recognize that time may have passed, but what did he say about you? So, so here's, the, here's the process. We must, re, we, we must come to the conclusion that God is a promise maker. We must come to the conclusion because he has a proven track record that he is a promise keeper. But there comes this moment where we must ourselves go back and remember everything he said to us about us. He's a, and then, see, see, we got to remember what he said about us. Then we got to remember who said it. Why? Because he's a, a way maker. He is a we sing this, he is a promise keeper, that is who he is. Not just what he does, he doesn't just make promises, he's actually a promise keeper. And so when we reflect and remember and believe, that, that's what happens is we remember who, who he is, he's a promise maker, we remember who he is, he's a promise keeper, we remember what he does, he makes promises to us, then all of a sudden we can believe again. I just want to greatly encourage you this morning, you can believe again. You can hold on. You can weather this. You can make it. You can do this thing. When it's hot and dry and barren, you can keep marching. When, when, when you're a long ways from the promised land, you can keep believing. You can keep holding on. When you don't see any milk and you don't see any honey, uh, that's a whole... You, where's my honey? Well, that's, that's got some... Uh, uh, 
Just keep, just keep marching. Just keep believing that if I'm going to be, if I'm faithful, if I'm diligent, it may not get here when I thought it was supposed to. I wished it would get here earlier. I wish they would look different. I wish they would act. I wish they would do. All I got to know is this. He is not a man that he should lie. And if he said it, he'll do it. So then my responsibility is this. I've got to keep reminding myself what the promise was in the first place. And I'm looking out here this morning and what I'm recognizing is some of y'all looking at me like you've got no promise. I'm talking about remember your promise and you're like, what are you talking about? Some of y'all need to get a promise. You need a promise. He's a promise maker, so if he's making promises to everybody else, he's probably got one for you too. You just got to get the promise. Otherwise, you'll die in the wilderness. And you'll never taste the fruits of the promised land. You can live in promised land if you'll remember what he said. Father, this morning my prayer is this. I, I pray that in this moment you would live up to what we say about you. You would begin to make promises. There are individuals watching online and in this building right now, right in front of me, that have no clue what your promise for their life is. And so God, first I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to make us a promise. I pray that each individual in their own private time, when they leave this place, they would one of, one of two things would happen. One is they would hear the still small voice that you speak with, and I pray that in deep within them a promise from you would arise, be birthed. I pray that you'd make them a promise this week, either through your still small voice or as they're reading in the Word. In, in the word. They would, it, was, it would be almost like a spotlight comes on as they're reading the Word, and, and what was written hundreds and even thousands of years ago thousands of years ago it would be like it just jumps off the page it's like like you just sat down and wrote me a note and sent it to me through the through the mail this week it's like you handpicked hand delivered a word a promise for me and i pray that the word that you've given us would be illuminated and we would grab onto it like a lifeline make us a promise i pray but Father, there are those in this room and watching online that already have a promise. They received a promise decades ago. And they've just been circling. And I pray this morning what you would do is you'd allow them to make the preparations necessary so they can march into the promised land that you have for them. And God, we hold you to your word. I hold you accountable for your word because you said I could. You declared about yourself that it is impossible for you to lie. So God, even though the the circumstances of my life may have changed, the calendars have certainly changed, I pray that right now you would live up to your word and that you would keep the promises that you've made. And Father, we're, we're anticipating over the course of the next two or three weeks, we are anticipating about hearing people seeing promises come to pass because we're fixing what we believe about what you can do by fixing what we believe about what you can't do. And I thought you, I thought you hadn't come through. 
I thought maybe you ran out of power. I thought maybe you've forgotten about me. I thought maybe you, you just had your mind on somebody else. But I pray this week you would bring us back to this place where we recognize you're a promise keeper. Your word is sure. And you're faithful to your word. And I pray that you would remind us of the promises that you've made. Remind us of the promises that you've made. When we don't want to get up in the morning, when we don't want to march any further, when we don't feel like fighting, when we don't feel like believing, remind us of the promises that you've made. And may that promise that we remember be the thing that keeps us moving forward towards you. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you three questions. What are you going through? What feels like a wilderness to you right now? Some of you feel just exhausted. Could I just get you to focus a moment and recognize that that's just part of God's preparation for you? All you're going through is nothing more than preparation. The second question I have for you is this. Have you prepared for the promise that God has for you? I want to be a great writer, but you've never written a thing. I want to be a great singer, but you've never taken a voice lesson. I want to be a great preacher, but you've never spoken once in public, never read your Bible in private. I want to be the best employee, but you show up late. I want a promotion at work, but you play games on your computer instead of working. I want to be a leader of people, but you gossip about everybody you're in relationship with. Have you prepared for the promise? And last, have you forgotten the promise? I want to challenge you. This is your homework this week. I want you to go home. Well, why don't we do it right now? Because we don't have time. And it's going to take you some time. Because some of you got to dig back through some years. Some of you got to dig back through some disobedience. Some disappointments. I want you to sit down this week. Take a piece of paper. And write down the promises that God has made to you. Remember. Bring back to mind everything that he said to you. Why? Because then it gives you the the strength to continue to believe. Yeah, but but he hadn't done it. That don't mean he won't do it. Will you do your homework this week? Good, I got one that'll do their homework. Will anybody else do their homework this week? Write it down. Make it plain. Post it somewhere so that you're constantly reminded that God is bound to this. Now, wait a minute. Let's get it right. I didn't ask you to make up a promise. I also go back to where we preached before. He's not going to make you a promise that contradicts his word. Ooh, that didn't go over big. He promised me that my home is going to be great. Yeah, but you're living with somebody. Then you made that promise up because you ain't do He promised me that I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to be blessed. Yeah, but you won't cut your credit card up. That's a hope we're going to get there. So don't make stuff up, but write down his promises for your life. 
and march towards those things. In Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.